Welcome to the Fieldwork Podcast. I'm Tara Vanerdusen. And I am Mitchell Hora. We are a podcast by farmers for farmers. You know, Tara, usually we talk about sustainable ag and, uh, you know, things like cover crops and soil health and that kind of stuff. And we've talked about prairie strips and all kinds of cool things. And uh, But once in a while, we got to address some other ag issues as well. Yeah, and today is one of those days. We're actually going to be talking about coping with farm and rural stress and all things mental health. Yeah, this is a super important topic and, you know, one that has definitely get, been getting a little bit more press lately, a little bit more awareness about it. And actually, um, men in agriculture have some of the highest suicide rates of any um, industry and any demographic in the country. And, you know, a lot of farmers often were out on our farms alone. We kind of keep to ourselves and and yet, you know, we have a lot of stress. There's a lot of outside issues. There's a lot of things that can cause issues in the workplace for those folks that are out on the farm. Uh, later in this episode, we'll speak with Kate Downs, Outreach Director at New York FarmNet. That organization has been working on suicide prevention since the 1980s. Oh, well, the family dynamic on a family farm is, is you know, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> but we begin our show by talking to a farmer who has suffered from depression and isn't afraid to talk about it. Bob Worth is a Minnesota corn and soybean farmer. He and his son farm 2,200 acres in Lincoln County, Minnesota. So, Bob, before we really dig into the rest of the topic here, let's set up the stage a little bit for us. Tell us more about your farm um, and how you got started farming with your son. Okay. Um, In 1970, when I graduated from high school, I knew right away I wanted to farm. So we started farming with my father, and we formed a partnership. And so... uh, went that way until 1981 when my father decided he wanted to retire. And I want you to remember 1981. That's the year that the farm crisis was starting to just really get rolling. And so I uh, uh, continued to farm and I never knew if my son wanted to farm, but uh, luck would have it that when he graduated from high school, he went to uh, Votech and he wanted to come back and farm. So I welcomed back with open arms because my dad did to me. So uh, it was basically in, from 1993 on, I've been farming with my son. That's awesome. So backing up just a little bit, um, you kind of touched on some of the pressures in the 1980s, but could you expand on that a little bit more um, for maybe some of us that were were born after <laughs> that time period? I mean, we've all heard stories, but um, just kind of what were your personal experiences there in the 80s? Okay, back in the 80s, uh, the banks uh, actually went off your balance sheet. Uh, what kind of what kind of uh, balance you had is how much money they loaned you. They didn't care about cash flows or or your working capital or anything like that. They just wanted the bottom line. So as we all know, the land was going up. Land was going up. Machinery uh, was going up. The used machinery was going high, and the interest was also starting to creep up. And uh, as we got into the middle 80s, we had a crunch. The land values dropped by uh, two-thirds, machinery dropped by two-thirds, and interest rates were at 18 to 21 percent. And so um, you ran out of, you you didn't have any money to borrow. Uh, If you went off your balance, uh, balance sheet, I had a negative balance sheet. I, my balance sheet was in the red because my land went from $800 down to 250 or 
my machinery that I had paid for and I was working, but they cut that right in half or even a little more than half. So all of a sudden I had no money to borrow. So I was scrambling to find an operation. So I went to, uh, at that time it was FHA. I went to uh, farm credit, all this stuff. I was trying to scramble to, to uh, find a way that I could continue farming. Bob, at this time, I mean, you would have been, what, upper 20s, maybe right around 30 years old? Yeah, about 30, uh, 20, late 20s, early 30s, you know, the young gun, thought I was invincible. You know, it's, that's the thing that uh, when you're that age, you know, you, you, you think you can conquer the world. Well, guess what? Uh, sometimes you can't. And I was, uh, you know, I just, I just all of a sudden went into, when I, when I was being turned on by a lot of different people and the bank that I had been, I had grew up in and everything actually told me I had to leave. So that was probably the final uh, straw that really sent me in a little bit of a tailspin. And at that point, were you guys farming corn and soybeans? Did you have other stuff? How many acres at that time? Well, we were uh, probably about 1200 acres, but we were big in the livestock. We had uh, I backgrounded cattle and had hogs, and uh, we had wheat, oats, corn, and soybeans. We raised four different crops because I needed all this stuff for livestock, the bedding, and uh, we chopped oat leach. Uh, we just needed a lot of different crops at that time. So I had a lot more equipment, too, a lot of high-priced equipment when you have uh, livestock equipment that's expensive. Uh, there's been a couple of times, in, once in my childhood and once in my adult life, that I know my family, dairy farm, was looking for a bank. Um, and it, the amount of stress you feel when you are looking for a bank, I just, I don't, it's unbelievable. And that was me, like, I was not the farmer um, in either of those situations. Obviously, my dad was. And so I would love for you to share a little bit about, you know, what, what, how were you coping with that financial pressure? Well, <laughs> I was getting depressed. Yep extremely depressed um times i didn't care if i even went out of the house didn't care if i got up in the morning you know it was uh, it was one of those things that all this stuff was just eating at your mind and you didn't know what was going to happen to you so you know i was i was going downhill fast and my wife could see it and she finally convinced me that maybe you should go see a doctor and I did. I went to our local uh, doctor, and actually, it wasn't a full-fledged doctor; it was a physician assistant, and a young uh, young doctor just coming out uh, of school. And uh, he, we started working together. He put me on a once one set of medicines that did not do anything for me, and I thought oh, I was even. That's not good. It's not helping me. Then he changed medications, and uh, wow, what a difference! It took uh, it took a while. You know, it's it's not overnight um, success, but you could tell that you were starting to feel that uh, you were uh, starting to improve. At that point, did you know that it was depression? Did you have a name for it, or did you just know, like, you know, what was it called that at the time? How you know? How did you think about it? it the doctor called it depression. You know, I, I knew there was something wrong. Uh, I, I just wasn't doing very well. So, yeah, uh, my doctor uh, called it that. And uh, 
you know, and as you, as you look back, you know, that's a quite a few years ago, but as you look back, I am so fortunate that my wife talked me into going to the doctor and that I also got uh, some help. Otherwise, who knows? I might have been one of the numbers that uh, committed suicide. Yeah, it's very amazing that your wife stepped in. How how long were you feeling that way before you got help? Like, was your wife kind of at you for a while of being like, you've got to get help or did it all come to a head? I mean, kind of, I guess, walk us through that a little bit of finally realizing you had to get help. It, it was a while. I mean, it was a while. It was a couple years. Um, things were just, you know, just, you know, you think you were coming out of this thing, uh, out of the the low and you'd be moving up and then another thing would hit and then you go right back down. And so it was ups and downs. And finally the downs got to be more than the ups. And so you just stay there. And, uh, it, it, it you know, uh, it took a while to get over it. I mean, it wasn't overnight, but for sure you, uh, it took uh, about eight months before you really started to feel really good, but you could tell, you were going in the right direction. And, you know, I had to stay on the medicine for, uh, oh, I bet about three years, three, four years. And uh, then you have to wean yourself off. And then after I've been through it once, you can tell immediately when you start to go into depression. And I had to go back on uh, a couple, three times. But uh, the last, I'd say, 15 years, I have not had to uh, be on the medics. So, but 15 years ago, I mean, so you had essentially 15, maybe 20 years there where you were kind of going back and forth and and on medication versus not. And that's definitely a long time to be able to cope with this. You know, it's funny that uh, most of the time it was in the wintertime. It was in the uh, winter when I would uh, could feel it. And I still get asked by the doctor, I don't have the same one anymore, but the same clinic um, asked me if I if I need to go on medication. And I said, no, I'm doing very well. So, I mean, it's the doctors are starting to get a little more uh, knowledge of it and are actually start asking some questions, which is good. Yeah, that's great that the doctors are being more aware of it and checking in with you, seeing how you're doing. Um, so you said it's been about 15 years that you felt, you know, better, that you're doing better, um, and that you do kind of notice that over the years you've noticed when you're kind of slipping back into that depression. Are there things you're doing now where you are coping with things differently? Like if you notice yourself feeling kind of those depressed ways, are you, what are you doing then to be kind of maybe more proactive? Um, and what have you done for the last 15 years to possibly improve your mental health? Stay busy. Keep your mind working. Don't let your mind, um, slow down and then start thinking all the bad things. Keep your mind busy. Keep keep happy thoughts in your mind and uh, think about the great things that, that's going on in, in the country, in your life, uh, grandkids, kids. I mean, there's things that you can do to make it better. And uh, that is one of them. No, that's a, bit, that's a big deal, Bob, and really great advice on being able to see the good around you and not dwell as much on, on some of the bad, but... What are your conversations like with other farmers that are going through some of this stuff or maybe other farmers at the time that were going through some of these issues too? You know, it's it's one of those things that I uh, I, I do a, a weekly radio show on a local radio station. 
And uh, about four times a year, we talk about depression. It is something that I, I feel that as us as farmers, we have kept to ourselves for way too long. A farmer is always a person that likes to keep everything to himself. It will always have been that way, and I don't think we're changing. But we need to change that on when you talk about depression because you need to talk about it. The more you talk about it, the better it becomes. The more you can cope with it, the more you can get help with by professionals. You know, and uh, this this radio station I do, and they, we ran ads. We also run ads on talking about depression. And I will tell you about a little story that I had uh, last summer that uh, at, at, at the Farm Fest in Minnesota, which is a, a farm show, I was sitting, I work at a soybean booth. I, I'm a member of Minnesota Soybean Growers. So I work at a booth and a gentleman come up and talk to me. And he said, I want to thank you. And I said, when he came up to me, he said, I thought maybe he was going to yell at me for something I'd said. You know, I do have a different opinion sometimes than anybody else. But he said, I want to thank you for saving my life. Talk about something that will hit you right between the eyes. That, uh, you know, what do you, what do you say? What do you do? You, all we did was hug and uh, talk a little bit. He just heard one of my ads and he said I was going to commit suicide. And I listened to what you said. And he said that I uh, I went, I thought about my grandkids and he went and got some help. And he, uh, he just thanked me for it. So that is so important that we talk about it and get it out. There's nothing wrong with talking about depression. There is absolutely nothing wrong. The more you talk about it, the better you will feel, the better uh, your neighbor will feel because maybe he's got the same thing. So that's why I really do talk about this a lot because I want to help somebody. It helped me. I want to help somebody else. So going back to, you know, before or as you were getting kind of diagnosed that first time and going on medication, how open were you to talking about it with friends? Like how did friends react, family? Like obviously your wife was very involved in the process, but others, you know, this was a different time than it was now in 2022. We still don't talk about it enough, but um, I think we talk about it slightly more than we used to. So what was, did you talk about it then? And what was the reaction? Oh, no. I never talked about it. I, you know, my wife and my kids knew it. My my parents knew it, but uh, nobody else did. Nobody. I didn't talk about it because at that time, I mean, and at farmers, a lot of farmers are same, still the same way. They want to keep everything to themselves, and that's what I'm trying to change. And because I did, I did, I kept it all to myself. Didn't talk to anybody. Bob, when you have somebody that makes you aware of of something or you see a red flag in your conversations. Obviously, I know you tell people, hey, think about the good things and think about kids or grandkids, stuff like that. But what else do you tell them to do uh, to, to cope? You know, uh, I tell them for one, one thing, go see your doctor. You know, go to the doctor and just talk to them about this. Go to your pastor. If it's really serious, I call the sheriff. We need to make sure that they're they're protected until they get some help, because uh, I know too many farmers that have committed suicide. Friends of mine, so it's uh, it's important that we uh, realize that. I mean, there's there's actually some training going on right now that uh, 
being offered uh, that you can take and see. They teach you what to look for. I mean, there's little things there. They don't tell you how to treat it, but what to look for so you can be more uh, out there, see what's going on and to give them some help. Yeah, I know I have a farmer friend who went through the training and uh, it was very, she found it very helpful because it did focus on farmers' rural lifestyle. So just the things that may be unique to um, farming in general and um, to farmers. And so it really helped her understand like the red flags to watch out for, you know, how to help the person get help. Like you said, you're not necessarily helping them, but how to get them the help they need. Um, I know in Canada, they have Do More Ag, um, which is a Canadian program that helps farmers specifically. Um, there's there's actually, I feel like a lot of people sharing on social media right now. I know at CJS Farms, Tara Beaver Carnado, High Heels and Canola Fields, those are three counts I really think of that share a ton of mental health um, as well as resources and information. I just, I mean, I, I hate to keep bringing this up all the time, but it's, it, you just got to talk about it. I mean, agriculture has been that we've kept everything to ourselves. This is one subject you do not want to keep to yourself. You want to, you want to talk to somebody about this and talk to somebody to get, so you're, you're not one of the statistics that, uh, uh, one of the suicide persons. And it's just, it's just something we got to fix. Yeah, Bob, like I said at the beginning, takes uh, definitely takes a real man to be able to to come on and share that. And uh, so really appreciate that. And obviously, you're you're seeing it too. And some of the stories that you shared is, is amazing. And uh, you're doing an awesome job. Thank you for taking the time uh, and, and talking about this subject. It is, uh, it's very near to my heart. And I, uh, I thank you for uh, talking about it because a lot of people don't talk about it. We'll be right back after this short break. To continue the conversation around farmers and mental health, we also have brought in Kate Downs to share more of her perspective and the work that she's doing. So Kate, welcome. Thank you for joining our podcast. Uh, maybe to start, if you'd just share a little bit about your background and just give a brief introduction for our audience. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, as Tara said, I'm Kate Downs. I'm the Outreach Director with New York FarmNet, and we are a program based at Cornell University and funded through the New York State Department of Ag and Markets and the Office of Mental Health. My background is in agriculture. My family had a small dairy farm in northern New York. My dad taught high school agriculture, so I was an FFA and 4-H as a kid. And then I studied agricultural business and um studied uh, rural development and sustainable agriculture at the University College Dublin. So, you know, doing this kind of work is kind of such second nature to me. Yeah, I think that's so interesting about the part where you studied for your master's degree in Ireland. Can you share a little bit about what you were studying there and what, where, you know, kind of where your studies took you? Sure. So I predominantly focused on rural development. That was really interesting to me. While a lot of the coursework focused on sustainable development in Africa, I looked more locally in Ireland and I studied the isolation of Irish farmers in this little tiny town in the Midlands. And that sort of spurred me, I guess, in, in taking this journey into farmer mental health. But it was actually also some lived experience, some personal experience in my own personal struggles with mental health, and then also losing my uncle to suicide that really jump-started this career for me. 
Wow, let's let's dig deeper kind of into that because I think that is going to be a really important part of like your passion and your part of this story. So walk us through like, um, you know, how tell tell more, I guess, on how that came about. And obviously uh, it ties in with this whole episode that farmers are oftentimes out kind of on their own, kind of isolated and um, explain, you know, how that's resonated with you and dig a little deeper into the story with you and your uncle. Well, my uncle had struggled for a really long time. He had Crohn's disease. So a chronic illness is actually a, a pretty high risk factor for suicide. And his health continued to deteriorate. And throughout his struggles with Crohn's disease, he had attempted suicide a couple of times. And um, because his body just wasn't able to process the, the antidepressants he was on, the medications he was on to help him. Throughout that, because his health deteriorated, He also ended up selling the farm, which he was the fifth generation on that farm. You know, he sold it outside of the family. So we all kind of questioned it, you know, as farm families do. You always wonder why someone makes a decision like that. I mean, there were no natural heirs apparent in the family. So it does make sense that he sold it outside the family, but it was still a, you know, a tough, a tough thing to, to deal with. And then, um, uh, eight years ago now, he he took his own life actually on the on the farm. He ended up building a house right next door to the farm on some of the land because he maintained some of that acreage. And he, yeah, eight years ago he took his own life. And it it doesn't get any easier because grief is a really weird and nonlinear process. But because of him, because we lost him the way we did, it has helped me better understand myself. It's helped me better understand how to extend empathy to farmers, how to um, support farmers in the ways that I do and the way FarmNet does. And it just, it really opened my eyes. And honestly, if it weren't for his death, I wouldn't be doing this work. So it really you know, it really helped me find my my place in the world, if you will. I uh, just want to say like for a second, thank you for sharing about this. I know this is a heavy topic. I know this is deeply personal and it's also your career, um, but it's such a needed conversation and for you to be able to be like brave enough to stand up and share your family stories and hopefully help someone else. I just think that takes a lot of bravery and, you know, your passion is apparent in this topic. And I do think that that passion, uh, I would imagine, helps you relate to farmers, like you said, so much more and just be able to understand them on a personal level, which in a conversation like this, I think is absolutely like, invaluable that you have to be able to like understand um, the ins and outs of it. So I just commend you for that. Thank you. Um, you mentioned FarmNet. And I thought one of the things when I was kind of like reading up on this that was really interesting was how long ago that FarmNet was created. Can you start about me share about like the beginning of FarmNet and the need for it? Um, Because I think it was started in the 80s, which I feel like is very like progressive for then. I mean, I know it was a really tough time, uh, but I still was, I was pleasantly surprised to see a program like this started that early on. So New York FarmNet was started in 1986 in response to the national farm crisis. And you know, I think it, the national farm crisis probably hit Midwestern farmers a lot more, but folks at Cornell University saw, you know, stress levels on the local New York farms rise and they realized they needed to do something. So it was a, 
I, I laugh because it's one of the fastest things to happen in higher education and academia because someone had this idea and then a group form and then six weeks later, FarmNet existed. So a six-week turnaround for uh, an institution of higher education is pretty remarkable. Ever since then, we've, we've been funded through New York State budget allocations through the Department of Ag and Markets. And I'm so grateful. And it actually back in the 80s, there were a lot of programs, a lot of states started 800 helplines, just like FarmNet did. We still have the same 800 helpline that we did in 1986. And throughout the years, FarmNet was able to pivot with the times to maintain relevance in New York farming. And I think that maybe where some of the other states kind of lost their 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 steam if you will because you know they started out with just financial consulting but then they realized very quickly oh we also need something to someone to help us with the personal side of things. So I think it was in the mid 90s that Farmnet added in the family consultants to the financial consultants. And our fi- family consultants are actually social workers. They have a background in family counseling, social work, they're licensed clinical social workers or have a master's in social work. So they really know how to navigate some of those tricky family situations, those interpersonal conflicts that come up when it when you get families working together. So you're kind of getting into it already, but dig a little deeper on like, what does New York FarmNet do today? What are some of the services that are offered? And is it offered to any farmer or only folks that are in New York? So our services are only offered to New York farmers, unfortunately. Um, but there are national efforts being made that I think you're probably going to talk about later. Uh, but yeah, we have an 800 helpline, 1-800-547-3276. It's on 24-7. 365, and it's always answered by a real life human. So during business hours, it's myself or one of my colleagues. In the after hours, it rolls over to an answering service that, you know, if it's an emergency, you know, someone's in crisis, then that call will get bounced to my my personal phone. But we provide free and confidential services to farmers, farm families, and agribusiness employees, which I think is really important because we know that stress isn't, doesn't stay in one place. It kind of oozes out across whoever's in that, you know, person's orbit. So providing that support to family members and direct service professionals, that that's really important to us because it keeps our rural communities healthy, but we have financial consultants and they're the farm business management folks. They know the ins and outs of cash flow budgets and financial analysis and business decision-making and all that good stuff, you know, herd management's um, equipment, all that, all that stuff. And then our family consultants, as I noted, um, they are the social workers. They, they come in and they listen and do what they do. A lot of listening you'll find, and they help folks work through whatever stress is going on. If there's a crisis, they, they help figure out what they can do to move through that. And then also how to build coping mechanisms to help manage You know, it's not just, we're not there for just one visit. We're there over the long haul. You know, it might be two or three years we work with a family to get them to a safe place for them and and their business. We talked about this a little earlier, but farmers tend to sometimes be reluctant to ask for help, which is, I think, part of the root of this problem. Um, And 
So I guess my, I don't, I don't know exactly what my question is, but looking at like, how can like we as listeners, as family members to farmers, as farmers ourselves, be conscientious of like, be on the lookout for things. And then like, how do you guys like get farmers to come in and to open up? Is there like community outreach or what does that kind of look like to get those farmers the help they need, especially like the more reluctant ones? Sure. So I'll actually answer the latter part of your question first, if that's all right. (laughs) Yes. So we do a lot of outreach. We do a lot of advertising. We network and collaborate with our local extension offices, with our farm service agency offices, Farm Bureau. We have a really strong network in New York's agricultural community. And part of my job actually is going out and doing a lot of educational programming. So I Actually, last night I was at a fraternity at Cornell talking about identifying stress and suicide prevention because, I mean, it hits everyone. You don't have to be a farmer. Mental health is not unique to any one person or population. It hits everybody. So doing educational programming like that helps provide a baseline language and just gives folks a chance to like, oh yeah, that's, oh, that's what that is. That's, that's why I feel awful every time, you know, this comes up and, and it can give them the opportunity to kind of think about it. And usually it takes a while. So they'll think quite a while on it. And then, then they might reach out for help in a a few months or a, a year or two. Um, but I would say, you know, things to look out for it, honestly, trust your gut. If something doesn't feel right in your gut, reach out to that person and ask, Hey, you know, I I've noticed you haven't quite been yourself lately. Um, you seem kind of agitated or on edge or really anxious. And I'm just wondering if everything's okay. You know, it's really just a simple question like that. And, you know, just trust your gut. Cause you, you know, what's up. You can tell when something's off. I, I have to agree with that. I feel like there's been so many times in my life where I've either just like had someone placed on my heart. Like I know that's like, I don't know, a feely emotion, but it's true. And been like, I should reach out to them or vice versa. Like had somebody reach out to me and be like, I just was thinking about you today. I'm like, gosh, I, I needed to like hear some positive words today. Like it's amazing what just a little like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Like it goes a long way in, um, just opening up a conversation to check in on someone. And it's so much more genuine than the, Hey, how are you doing in the grocery store? You know, like fine, fine. I'm okay. Um, whereas if it's a private conversation and, and nowadays with communication, like a text can feel so like non- Per, like it, you can respond to it in the time you want. Like, I don't, there's so many forms of communication now that I think like just the simplest little message can go a really long way. That's my personal opinion, but I totally agree. So Kate, hopefully it was the AGR boys that you're going and, and seeing there. Like, it sure yeah, was. Good. It sure right, was. Good deal. I was AGR at Iowa State. So um, I've met some and of them actually, there over, was- over time. That's awesome. There were some Sigma Alpha ladies there as well. And I think I'm going to talk to them later this month. So yeah. That's awesome. So let's dig dig into that because obviously part of that would be not just for those young people that are at school right now to have them aware, but also to watch out for their parents and their grandparents and and folks that are on the farm. Explain kind of that and the family dynamic of how you guys can, uh, can make sure that the word really gets out there. Well, the family dynamic on a family farm is, is, you know, not for the faint of heart. (laughs) I mean, our family farms in New York state, 97% of them are family owned and operated. Many of 
them have multiple generations working side by side. So that senior generation may be in their 80s and still farming and uh, welcome home that that grandkid to the farm. And they have very different opinions on how things are run than a 20-year-old. And that can be really hard for them as a, as a senior generation, you know, they're farmers, it's in their bones, it's in their blood. So it's really hard for them to step back and turn over the reins. So we, we do a lot of that work. Like it's okay to retire. It's okay to have a retirement plan. You are a farmer. You will always be a farmer. We're not taking that from you. But now if you want that farm to continue and succeed, now's the time to turn it over. So we, we help farmers work through that. We help them build resumes. We help them come up with a retirement plan because that is something you should plan for. And actually, we love having these conversations when we're doing business planning. So even at the very beginning of a farm life, we may we'll bring up estate planning and retirement planning because at some point that farm needs to continue or it needs to end or whatever. So having those conversations up front are so, so important and can actually help mitigate some of that stress that may come up later on. So it's just, you know, more of more, the more information that's out there, the more we talk about it, the better, the better we all are. That, that really like resonates with me and stuff too. And seeing that of those older generations that, yeah, it's hard to let go sometimes. And, and, and I don't think that as farmers, we necessarily think about the farm being a business and having a business plan and having a retirement plan. Like, we're just like, well, we're farmers. We're just going to do this until uh-huh. finally yeah, we're done <laughs> until it's over. Seat, like, there's, yeah, you yeah. die in the tractor seat and die out on the farm, which is, you know, I think for a lot of people and how I've always thought about it, like, that's the dream, you know, that, that I would love to be out there, you know, at retirement or whatever, like on the farm, just kind of doing that. But at some point you can't necessarily be the one that's the sole decision maker either. You got to run this as a business. Sure. Be out there, be involved in the farm, but don't still be the one that manages the checkbook. And that is, you know, making all the decisions and all that kind of stuff. How do you, how do you help farms to think about that? And, And so much of it, I think just whether it be for any of this crisis stuff, so much of it to me, seems like it's just have a plan. So that's why we have the financial consultants, right? Many of them actually used to work in ag lending or they were farmers themselves and have successfully retired. And now they've pivoted into the second career, which is pretty cool. So they're able to kind of walk that walk with the farmers. They're like, listen, man, I know it's hard to turn it over, but it's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for the farm and then help we help lay out options. So we're not there like prescribing these decisions to anyone. We're there outlining, you know, different options that might work for them. It might work for the farm, but ultimately that final decision's up to them, but just putting it on paper, writing it down, you know, that's huge. Even, even going through bills with farmers and getting it in the ledger or getting it into QuickBooks, whatever works for that farmer, we're there with them, helping them sift through that. Um, and then making sure that every the right people are at the table. So if, you know, the 80-year-old senior generation, they are still writing the checks, okay, let's bring in that the second generation, that, you know, probably 60-year-old who should have control over the, the books at that point, bring them to the table and see what's going on. Or maybe at that point, bring the, you know, the real junior generation in and turn it over to the 20-year-old because they're 
certainly computer savvy, um, they can help digitize those things. So we just, we try to make sure the right people are at the table. And if we at FarmNet don't know, that's, that's a really great thing about us is that we can refer out or bring in other folks to the table. We can bring in someone from Farm Credit if that's necessary. We can bring in attorneys who are familiar with agriculture or accountants. So, you know, we're not there giving legal advice. We're not there giving tax advice, but we know folks who are good at that. So we are there to provide that network, you know, the farm net and network um, to those farmers and those families to make sure that there really are plans in place. You sound like you have so many great programs. And I know that there is two programs that I wanted to talk with you about, one being mental health first aid and then talk saves lives. And especially the talk saves lives, because in our previous interview, I mean, we heard over and over again, like, you know, talk about it, talk, like reach out to someone. You've got to talk about it. So what are those, both of those programs and how are they kind of being implemented? Yeah. So the really awesome thing is we receive funding through the USDA Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network, and that was through the Farm Bill. So their appropriations came out to each state, and each state could apply for $500,000. And New York State Department of Ag and Markets really, really jumped on that and, and got that funding and helped us with that. So we took that money and we saw it as an opportunity to build mental health literacy. So giving folks a language to use, because if we don't have the language, we can't talk about it. So with Talk Saves Lives, that's a program of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And it really just goes through the research. It goes through common risk factors of suicide. Um, it, and, and then how to how to ask someone about suicide because it's not an easy thing. Um, we don't generally like talking about it as a society. We don't like asking those really hard questions, but it it gives us these tools, you know, very simple, straightforward. Okay, this is what we can do to help a person. And then the mental health first aid, it's a much more intensive course that is through the National Council for Mental Wellbeing, but it's it's akin to like a Red Cross first aid. So in Red Cross first aid, you learn how to like stop the bleeding, maybe put a Band-Aid on it and then reach out for help, right? With mental health first aid, you learn about anxiety and depression because those are the two most common mental health challenges that people deal with. Um, You learn how to talk about it. You learn risk factors, how to identify it, how to refer someone to professional help. So you just learn essentially all these things that make you a really even more well-rounded human and a good neighbor and a good community member and um, just how to help people and how to ask those tricky questions. And it looks like there's another program um, that USDA has going as well, the Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network. Can you maybe explain kind of how that one ties into the other programs you already talked about? The Farsan national programming is is broken up into different regions around the United States. So in the Northeast, we are, New York is part of Farsan Northeast and we join, um, I think there's like 35 different organizations from Washington, DC up to Maine that cover this chunk of the country, if you will. And we are focusing on, um, focusing on service providers, building up infrastructure to support migrant farm workers, young farmers, and socially disadvantaged farmers, in particular the BIPOC community, because we know that the stressors in farming are often compounded for communities who are disadvantaged. So we're taking that approach in the Northeast. Um, 
other regions like the Midwest, the South and the Western regions. I'm not super familiar what they're doing, but it's these larger states and larger networks that are creating these support systems to support farmers and ranchers. So it's a really incredible program that the USDA is funding and the Farm Bill is funding. And we're really grateful for it because it's it's long overdue, in my opinion. Um, I'm glad that we're kind of talking about it at a national level here in this conversation. Obviously, I'm in New Mexico. Mitchell is in one of those I states, maybe Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) So what else is happening at a national level? Like for our listeners that aren't in New York, um, like where where else can we turn on a national level to get help beyond your like local local organizations? That's a great question. Farsan, you can find out information if you Google F-R-S-A-N. Um, this is a farm and ranch stress assistance network. Um, farm Aid actually has some of these resources because they're actually one of the partners in the Northeast grant. But also the American Farm, farm Bureau Federation has really taken a great step in promoting rural mental health. And they've actually conducted several polls in, con- in conjunction with Morning Consult asking rural Member, community members, farmers, farm workers about their mental health actually pre-COVID and then during COVID, which is really interesting. And so because of the American Farm Bureau Federation taking that big step, New York has made rural mental health a priority. And I'm sure other states are following suit as well. So um, the National Farmers Union, they also have a lot of resources out there. But um you know, depending on where you are, different states have great programs that are in place. I know Minnesota has one. Colorado has some great ones out there too. So, you know, take a look around and there's there's definitely information out there. And are most of those utilizing some of that federal like um, money that was allocated, the half a million dollars per state? That's kind of where that comes from. And then like, how do you like, what's your, what's your best tip for like how to first find like your state resource? Yeah. Good question. Some of those states are definitely using that federal money, but I know in Minnesota's instance, they their state Department of Agriculture, you know, made it a priority. Same with Michigan State, their you know, Michigan State Extension. They, you know, I guess a handful of years ago now, they really took a big step and said, "Okay, this is a focus of ours. We're going to do this." So they started it locally and then got federal funding. You know, honestly, just googling farmer stress help, you can get a lot of resources that way. And that'll generate, you know, where you're at locally. Um, if you are in crisis and you aren't sure where to turn, you can always call 911. But there, there is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is an 800 number. Um, and in July, it's actually rolling over to 988. So you don't have to remember a big, long number. And that's that is a huge step forward as well for recognizing that mental health is also physical health. So making it easier for folks to access help when they're in crisis or someone they know is in crisis is it's going to be a huge, huge help in, in removing a barrier. So one of the kind of final questions that I wanted to ask you about is looking at where we're at now and like moving forward, do you feel like farmers are beginning to be more okay with talking about this? Like, do you think there's progress made? I mean, I feel like there's been progress made, but you know, you're on the front lines of this. What, where are we at and how are we doing on this topic? You know, I'm always pleasantly surprised at how honest and 
farmers are with me. And it could be that I'm just an anonymous voice at the end of the phone line. But I do think the needle is starting to move in farmers talking about mental health challenges. They may not call it mental health. They may just, oh, it's just stress, you know, and that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that because it's still an acknowledgement that something's going on internally and, and acknowledging it to someone else is, is huge. Um, but I think, you know, there's more and more national attention placed on this and that's, and my, it's great. It's so good. And it's much, much needed because if we continue to lose farmers to suicide, that takes a huge hit on our rural communities and our rural communities really are the fabric of this country. So without our farmers, without those farms in place, you know, we really, rural America really takes a hit. I mean, it seems like a lot of, you know, there's a lot of items that can bring stress to farmers like right now, like the, you know, high cost of land and high, um, you know, a high cost of fertilizer and other inputs and things like that. I mean, I hope that farmers can look at so many good things that are happening too with farmers being brought in a better light with sustainability initiatives. And like, we do have really good commodity prices right now too. And like so many good things that are happening as well. How do you help farmers to like have that first step? Like when they first call you, what's, what's like the, your kind of go-to talking point or first thing that you like kind of point out to kind of get them off of the ledge um, to an extent? So the first thing I always do is I thank them for calling and thank them for reaching out because I know that's not easy. Um, And then I also remind them that they're not alone. There's other farmers going through similar situations. It may not be exact, but they're not an island. They're, they've got this network of farmers and also they're really strong and resilient. They're some of the most stubbornly resilient folks I know. You know, farmers, I, it's hard. No, we're not. <laughs> Never. Um, they're like <laughs> no. these just beautifully stubborn people that make the world go round and, you know, reminding them of their strength and their values that they've gone through hard things before and they've moved through it and they called me. So now I can help them move through it. So we can send out our consultants and they can sit with them at the kitchen table. They can walk around the farm. They can kick the tires of the tractor and just, and sit with it and work with it and process it and also move on and move forward and maybe grow their farm even. So just, just letting them know that they're not alone is my biggest, biggest thing. You're like very, very knowledgeable and really deep into this. What do you wish would happen more in this space? Like just kind of at large, like maybe not, obviously you wish that the farmers would call you sooner, but at large, like what else do you think this space needs to keep progressing it and accelerating it forward? I would love continued federal funding for this work. So continuing the farm and ranch stress assistance funding would be huge. I would love to see it expanded to agri-service professionals. So our extension educators who are also out there on the front lines, our milk truck drivers, our custom croppers, those folks feel that stress too. So I want to see more of a broader agricultural brush Uh, you know, focusing on mental health and not just farmers, not just their families, also the farm workers, the the farm employees, they, they feel that stress too. So just really broadening that, that scope of who we help, I think would be the best, but, you know, certainly federal funding wouldn't hurt either. 
that was really well. I I love that answer because I think the very beginning you kind of talked like it's not just the person that feels the stress that feels the stress. It's in a ripple effect and thinking about it beyond the family to the other, you know, allied industry. We have ag has so much allied industry and thinking about how it affects them. Like you said, our employees, our farmhands, like it just if one if the main person is feeling stressed, it definitely can then ripple out to so many other people beyond that. So thinking about it beyond just the farmer. Just, I think so much of that too, like I said, it's it's making sure that we are focused on all the good things that are happening. And I think this has been a really important topic to bring to the podcast. Obviously one that we haven't hit on. We typically, you know, are talking about sustainability efforts and some of those things that like that, uh, you know, you saw in your schooling and stuff too, but it all really ties together that we've got to be talking about this subject as well. And kind of my last you know, last kind of thought, how does this kind of pull together for you, Kate, like holistically on what you studied in Ireland versus what you see now? Like, how does that kind of, has it really come full circle or what are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it has sort of come full circle. Um, you know, we learned about sustainability and, you know, different programs and different practices and all of that. And that's all well and good, but unless you are healthy, your farm isn't going to be healthy. And I think helping folks understand that is really important. You know, we ask for help from professionals. If our cows are sick, if our crops aren't looking good, we, your farm is nothing without a healthy farmer. So, you know, just don't be afraid to ask for that help, but also recognize that you are, you are part of the farm and, you know, it's, it's okay if you need help. So just bringing it, bringing everything full circle, a sustainable farm needs a sustainable human and we need that. Kate, is there anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't before we kind of wrap up? And maybe share you guys' number one more time too, for the folks that are in New York. Yeah. So in New York, New York FarmNet is can be reached at 1-800-547-3276. You can also fill out a web form on our website at nyfarmnet.org. And then if you are in crisis, don't hesitate to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline or reach out to the crisis text line at 741741. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your expertise, your personal stories, like all of it to help us all better understand this topic and do a better job of watching out for our fellow farmers and our farm communities. So thank you, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Kate, I appreciate you being on it. And uh, everyone that's listening, remember that if you are depressed, don't go at this alone. That has been the resounding thing from this entire episode. Reach out, get help. Don't be afraid to talk about it. And, uh, and there's plenty of, of resources out there to keep it under wraps because as we've joked about, we are very stubborn as farmers, but you can call things like the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's 800-273-8255. One other number that we wanted to mention that you can reach out to is the crisis text line. Text HOME, that's H-O-M-E to 741741. Again, that's HOME to 741741. Tara, it's been a good episode here, one that I think brings a lot to the show, and uh, I hope this can help a lot of people. Yes, it was it was a needed episode. I'm glad we did it. I know it was a heavy topic and, you know, kind of a different topic than what we usually cover, but a needed topic. So with that, we will wrap up today. 
Um, our show is produced by Todd Melby with lots of great help from Anna Canny. Thanks to Kristen Schmidt, who runs our social media, and to Lauren Humper, who is our project coordinator. Thanks to all the technical directors at American Public Media who help us record and mix the show. And be sure to check us out on social media. We're at Fieldwork Talk on all the usual channels. And we'd love it if you wrote us a review to help others find us too. And we've given you a lot of different phone numbers here today, but don't forget about our phone number. We'd love to hear from you. We're at 651-228-4810. Thank you so much for listening. 